Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode is sponsored by King Arthur Baking Company a 100% employee-owned B Corp. King Arthur Baking is the ultimate baking resource providing the highest quality ingredients for the most delicious baked goods while inspiring connections and community through baking. King Arthur is excited to announce our new Double Zero Pizza Flour for making authentic Neapolitan-style pizza in both home ovens and high-heat portable pizza ovens. Formulated to create an extensible dough that is easy to shape, its Double Zero is perfect for producing pies with an airy, crisp crust and chewy interior, achieving those quintessential leopard spots, a trademark of good Neapolitan pizza. I've been using King Arthur's bread flour for baguettes and other loaves for many years, and was obviously very curious when I found out they'd be releasing their Double Zero. It's a blend of 100% American-grown wheat. All of the other Double Zeros I've used in the past have come from Europe. I'm happy to know that I can now get flour from my own backyard. Each 3-pound bag yields approximately 10 12-inch pizzas, perfect for a pizza party. You can find King Arthur's Double Zero Pizza Flour in grocery stores nationwide, including Publix and Kroger, or online at Amazon.com and KingArthurBaking.com. Use discount code MODERNIST20 for 20% off Double Zero Pizza Flour until the end of 2021. Valid up to three bags. King Arthur Baking Company. Try us once. Trust us always. Welcome to the Modernist Pizza Podcast. This is Episode 3, Agent Double Zero, Amber Waves of Grain. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Along with Nathan Mirvold, founder of Modernist Cuisine, and its head chef, Francisco Magoya, who together co-authored Modernist Pizza, a 1,700-page book about the art, history, and science of pizza, we'll chew over the world's most popular food with the people who have been part of its storied past and are shaping its yet-to-be-told future. What's the secret behind a perfectly charred Neapolitan pizza? Answer, cornicione, that famed leopard spotting that blisters around the edges. But is this a sign of a superior pie or just burnt dough? 
Whether you like a soft crust with a chew or a nice crisp bite, it's merely a matter of the dough's four main ingredients, flour, water, salt, yeast. Or is it something else? We'll find out more about the foundations of a perfect pizza, from Italy's prized double zero flour to farms that grow ancient wheat specifically for pizza. But is flour as different as the homophones palate and palate? Francisco explains. Uh, well, I, I need to clarify. Cornicione means crust. And so that whether it be the crust of a Neapolitan pizza or a New York pizza, crust is crust is crust. The leopard spotting that you're talking about are also known as leoparding is the little bubbles of char that you see mostly on Neapolitan pizza. But there is a difference between leoparding and burnt. And there's a lot of people that insist on burning their pizza because that's authentic or traditional or whatever. And burnt is burnt. So for me personally, when I see these big bubbles that are black, you know, and it's most of the rim is like this, like really like not brown anymore, black, to me, that doesn't taste good. It's not a sign of quality. The small chard, the small leoparding on the Neapolitan pizza, to me, is a sign of, of a quality Neapolitan pizza. If it didn't have it, I wouldn't know what I was eating. I mean, it would be a pizza, but it wouldn't be Neapolitan. Let's backtrack here. Before the crust, you must make the dough. And even before that, there's a choice to be made about flour. There is one flour in particular that seems to be the mainstay amongst pizzaiolo around the world. And that's doppio zero, or double zero. What is it, you ask? Well, Nathan thinks that this definition isn't particular enough. Every country has some set of standards or ways for describing flour. U.S. Department of Agriculture has got a set of criteria for flour. Uh, Europe, there's different criteria. France, flour is categorized by its ash content which, believe it or not, the test is you take a bunch of flour, take, say, 100 grams of flour, you heat it up in pure oxygen until it all burns away, and whatever doesn't burn, that's the ash content. And even stranger, that ash content does tell you something about how refined the flour is, how white it is, basically. So there you talk about a T60, a T85 flour, which is have a little bit of bran in it versus a T75 or a T50 that would have a lot more bran in it. Well, in Italy, they chose to do it not by amount of bran, but by the particle size of the flour. Or strictly speaking, it's by the sieve size that the flour goes through easily. And the finest size is double zero. Now, double zero does not mean pizza flour. There's double zero cake flour in Italy or pastry flour. Very, very different beast. So when people say, oh, well, double zero is the flour I've got to have for pizza, the answer is you're giving one of the measurements of it that it's very finely ground, but that doesn't actually uniquely identify a flour. So... (laughs) The, the right way to say it is the traditional flour, well, that's not even true. The flour that people used recently in Naples to make pizza is a double zero flour. But not all double zero flour is suitable for making pizza. Whereas double zero may have become synonymous with pizza for incomplete reasons, 
The Caputo brand namesake has been the go-to pizza flour for all the right ones. But the story is backwards from what one might expect, a case of reverse immigration from New Jersey to Napoli. Mauro Caputo's grandfather moved back to the motherland for marriage and began reaping wheat in lieu of sowing his wild oats. The real story of Caputo uh, with, uh, with the flower over Naples uh, started with my grandfather, Antimo. And uh, uh, my father and my uncle, Carmine, continued the business. Uh, after him, uh, there was me and my house in Antimo. So this is actually the third generation of this business. It wasn't necessarily Morrow's calling to become a Caputo Miller. He was originally on a path to become a nautical engineer. His family convinced him to come steer the ship. And though Morrow didn't set a new course, staying tried and true to his family's tradition, he vastly improved the overall quality through modernization. So let's say that Zero Zero Flower is a recently new product. It was uh, probably first milled in the, in the 60s or 70s. So before we had just the Zero Flower, the whole wheat flour. So uh, after the 60s, we were able to uh, mill the grains in a more efficient way. So basically, the zero zero flour is the most performing flour ever for dough making, for long fermentations, because it's very white. And of course, it's naturally white, with no additives, no bleaching at all. The process of the milling is... Uh, combination of two uh, important stages. Uh, the first one is the, the kernel breaking, so the milling itself, and uh, the second one is the sifting of the kernel husk away from the starch. So, in few words, the flour extraction. So, by separating with the uh, highest efficiency possible the, the external layers from the inner core, we obtain very white flour that is free from the bran. Though Caputo sifts their wheat for the finest flour available, in no way are they isolationists. Actually, Caputo flour is sourced globally, because together, a diverse blend of wheat makes a stronger product, and overall, a better pizza. Don't forget, we are in the hands of Mother Nature. So the same wheat, same seed, same area may be different next year. So uh, three years ago, we had some difficulties in finding a good French wheat because uh, there was a lot of raining during the, the final period before the harvest. Uh, we didn't get the wheat from French, but we get some wheat from uh, some other countries from the north of uh, Europe. And we finally found out the same equilibrium, the same consistency, uh, the same quality parameters as ever. Because we... We think that the Caputo consumer always choose Caputo because it's always the same along the year and every country in the world. Caputo has a homegrown initiative too, actively propagating natural wheat in their own region. Campania's volcanic soil is rich in sulfur and minerals and missed by the Cerulean Blue Sea. So they started a green farm cooperative to make their 100% Grani Italiani, called Grano Nostrum, a soft wheat flour type zero from southern Italy. Fred Mortati has been importing Molino Caputo to America for decades through Orlando Foods. It wasn't an instant hit, though. Just like a good pizza dough, it took time. The way it came about in America was through a food distributor in New York City 
And uh, these two brothers built this business. It's called Chef's Warehouse. And 25 years ago, they told me that one of their customers in Manhattan had recently sent two people to Italy to study pizza. And they went to Vica Quenze, which is a town near Sorrento outside of Naples. And they were studying this one style of pizza they wanted to do. And when they came home, they said to their food distributor, hey, you need to find this flour for us. One bag is red, one bag is blue, and it's called Caputo. So that gentleman, Chris Pappas, he's the CEO of Chef's Warehouse currently, he called me up and he said, hey, can you find this for me? Because I know you do a lot of work in Naples. At the time, I was importing tomatoes from that area, not flour. And uh, I called my partner in the tomato business. And I said to my partner, his name is Lino Cutolo. I said, Lino, do me a favor, open up the phone book. That's how long ago this was. No, you know, there's no Googling it. Open the phone book and look in Naples and get me the name for this flour milk called Caputo. So he did. And I got the phone number from him and I called them. And I said, listen, I need to bring your flour to a customer in America. So at the time, the current CEO of Caputo, uh, Antimo Caputo at the time, so his father gets on the phone with me, Carmine Caputo, and Carmine says, very cynically, of course, why would anybody in America, one of the largest flower producers in the world, want my little flower company here in Naples, Italy, to send them flower? And so cynically, he said, you know, if you send money, I'll send flower. And so a deal was made. But this didn't install Caputo as the convention of pizza flour in the United States. 20 years ago, it took a booth at the Las Vegas Pizza Expo to really expound upon it. Nobody was really cooking, however, at the show, like from a start to finish. There were lots of little kind of conveyor ovens to heat things up. We take a little booth that first year. Antimo Caputo comes with me and he brings two old gentlemen from Naples who are two really well-known uh, pizzaioli, who each have their own historical pizza stores in Naples. These superlative pizzaiolos came and made Neapolitan pizza after Neapolitan pizza by hand. And the rest is pizza expo legend. But rather than rest on their laurels, Caputo has been innovating ever since. Mortati sees the future of flour, and it's coming straight for you. The newest one is the, is the Nuvola Super. And Nuvola in Italian means cloud. In Italy, believe it or not, the Nuvola the cloud, the nuvola in Italy, is the number one caputo item sold at retail. We went ahead of the chef's flour, and we're about to launch a full line with pizza flour, pasta flour, pastry flour, chef's flour. In a retail project in the U.S., it'll start via our own site, which will be uh, caputoflour.com, and, and you'll be able to go on and, and literally order right there and have it shipped to your home you'll be able to do it through Amazon. Um, so there'll be a variety of ways if you don't want to, if, if you can't find it in your local store. We represent about 10 to 15% of the overall production of Molino Caputo. And we're seeing some great trends with people just picking it up. To me, we're at the tip of the iceberg. But does using Italian flour make you a better pizza maker? We can't all import our own pizzaiolo from Naples. And this is why King Arthur Baking, who have been operating in the States since 1790, have recently gotten into the double-zero game. Martin Phillip, who started at King Arthur as a production baker in 2006, is now their baking ambassador. He's quite attuned to America's baking history, being a southern gentleman himself, but he also spent time in Italy as a classically trained opera singer. 
And that's where he fell in love with pizza. It was the first time that I had seen the true Roman style, which is, it's like a plate-sized pizza, about the same size as what we consider Neapolitan, right? 10 inches across, roughly something like that. But the difference, the big significant sort of departure from what we think of with the Neapolitan, with the puffy edge crust and the nice open crumb structure, Roman style is a thin, like cracker thin pizza, which you could easily take and roll up like a scroll from one end to the other. It's very, very thin, almost like a dough that almost feels unleavened in its crisp, crackery, like shattering thin crust. And, you, you know, you eat it with a fork and knife and it's a completely different beast from the sort of bready, leavened experience. There are over 50 dough recipes on the King Arthur website, from sourdough to same day crusts. Though in 2020, King Arthur's recipe of the year was a crispy, cheesy, cast iron pan pizza, unlike the Roman style that Philip previously explained. That said, it doesn't use any double zero flour. Excluding that was purely a diplomatic decision. We want to be mindful of access. And so at that point, we didn't have the double zero in retail stores. And I think it would be lame for us to have a recipe that we call recipe of the year. And yet everybody who wanted to make it had to mail order an ingredient. That just feels like not so democratic in a sense. Whereas building the formula with AP, uh, which is available in all 50 states and, you know, all major grocers feels more like it serves the sort of broad arm of what we do, which is to inspire, educate, and bake. King Arthur now has 100% American-grown wheat double-zero flour. It's not just for American styles of pizza. It works well with Neapolitan pies, too. To me, the beauty of pizza, and, and really like it goes more to the beauty of Italian cuisine in general, is that it's tied to the working class. And I think that that, that for me is why pizzas and, and Italian food and culture in general is so delicious, is that it takes the most basic methods and elevates them with the best ingredients. In attempting to draw a parallel back to Philip's classical music past, I realized the word aria, uh, solo and opera, also means air. You know, thinking about internal structure, interior structure, what we call alveolar structure. So it would make sense that the void, the space between the notes, the space, the walls, you know, the air between the crumbs should be uh, worthy of some, like, digestion on some level. Flour inherently affects structure. It dictates the shape of our dough, the bite of our crust, the inevitable pizza experience as a whole. Chew on that for a second. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Uni, a company known for bringing portable pizza ovens to backyards all over the world. Used to be that to get an authentic Neapolitan-style pie, you either had to wait in line at a wood-fire pizzeria or get on a plane to Naples. But Uni changed all that. Founded in 2012, the company launched the world's first portable pellet pizza oven that can heat up to 950 degrees Fahrenheit, the searing temperature needed to get a bubbly, thin-crust Neapolitan pizza. Over the years, Uni pizza ovens have continued to define the category with a carbon steel shell for insulation, optimized airflow engineering, precise temperature control, and new models with different fuel options, wood, charcoal, and gas, to suit the needs of every outdoor cook. 
The latest model, the super versatile Unikaru 16 multi-fuel oven, makes it so that you can choose between three fuels, fire to fire. So on days when you have time to chill out with a glass of wine in the wood smoke, as your log heats up, you can. And for those nights when you're in a rush, all you have to do is hook up the gas, and then the time it takes to shape your dough and chop some topping, that's ooni.com. Learn more at uni.com. That's ooni.com. For over 150 years, Centrum Milling has continuously been operating a mill in northern Utah, right near the Great Salt Lake. Nikki Giusto's family became involved with the company in the mid-90s, and as VP of Sales and Marketing, he's been the conduit between company and client for years. A few years back, there was an intriguing collaboration by way of Tony Gemignani, who was mentioned in Episode 2. Together, they made an organic double-zero flour that isn't the end-all for making a certain type of dough, but rather relies on its potential to work well across pizza styles, especially throughout Gemignani's many restaurants. You know, we'd go down to his basement and he'd have be importing flour from all over the place. He had like 20 different brands down there and this. And I was like, do you really need all these different brands to, to make, you know, this assortment of pizzas, you know? And, uh, and we're, and that kind of led into a conversation. I was like, is that possible? I mean, it's, you, you can't deny that, you know, that Italy is such a huge part of pizza. It's the birthplace of pizza, you know? So it's, it's paying homage and respect to, uh, the people that uh, paved the way for what we're continuing with. Once you understand the principles of hydration and fermentation, you can achieve that look or that style, that air, airy, pillowy, super open uh, uh, crumb or crown in the pizza, pizza's case. You can achieve that with almost any level of protein flour. It's just in how you um, apply your technique. Then why is Double Zero so pinned to pizza these days? I mean, it's it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like Kleenex, you know, or a Q-tip, you know. It's it's uh, it's, it's a name associated, and you think you have to have that to get the job done. Maybe that wasn't the best analogy, but uh, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, people think they have to have um, a, that specific tool to achieve a pizza. And yes, that is true when you were talking about a certified um, Neapolitan style pizza, when you have the certificate hung in your window and that sort of thing. Yeah, you have to use that tool. But if you're just trying to make an excellent pizza um, and maybe you're trying to uh, increase the nutritional value of it or augment the textural aspect of the crumb or any number of things, you have to stray away from double zero uh, flour for that. So I think it's just the traditional route. And I'm seeing a lot more people breaking away from tradition in search of something new. I think I mainly see it when bread bakers are start moving to making pizzas to help augment their sales. And that's mainly because these are varieties that are typically used in artisan bread baking applications. Um, so they're just applying that the same dough characteristics, um, the flavor profiles that they're used to achieving in their artisan breads, they're applying that to their pizza crusts. If you're a breadhead, you've likely heard of Chad Robertson, founder of Tartine Bakery in San Francisco and author of a few brilliant bread books. 
Then there's Jim Leahy, the genius behind Sullivan Street Bakery, who ascribed to the New York Times no-need bread recipe that nearly broke the internet. They've both sold pizza at their bakeries, a trend we're seeing more and more, bakers turned pizza makers. The most complete example of this is David Bauer, owner, operator, and founder of Farm and Sparrow in Mars Hill, North Carolina. In 2006, it started as a wood-fire bakery with a tiny mill in house and eventually became a full-time mill. After founding All Souls Pizza in Asheville in 2013, a pizzeria which highlights freshly milled flowers and natural Lebanon, Bauer finally closed the loop on his full-circle grain project. How does preparing flour for bread versus pizza differ? Is, is there some minutiae that we should be looking at or can they utilize the same grain in the same way? It's a slightly loaded question because it comes down to the style of pizza making, the desires of the baker, the the fermentation process they're using, the oven. You know, so it's you know, among the obvious factors is particulate size and gluten quality preservation is essential when milling flour for pizza. You know, so with pizza, we tend to take plenty of bran out to make a lighter flour, but it's really essential to mill slow and mill at a cool temperature so that all the aromatic oils are kind of rubbed into the, to the starch so that after we sift it and we've created our final pizza flour, we've got this very fine sort of, you know, slightly cakey, but sort of oily rich flour. And and that's the part that's really going to carry the inherent aromatics of the grain into the final product. Do you have a quote-unquote pizza flour or a specific flour you sell to pizza makers? You know, we're a small enough mill that luckily I can sort of tailor flour for our customers based on their preferences and their needs. Because the, you know, the type of flour I'm going to create for someone who's doing like a Neapolitan pizza who wants to have their, their pizza baked in like 90 seconds is going to be quite different from what I might design for someone who might be doing more, you know, what you might call like a California, you know, type of pizza with like a seven minute bake time. There's an element of understanding the protein levels and protein qualities in relation to the baking time and the baking environment. So, you know, one of the dilemmas that I see come up a lot with Neapolitan pizza is obviously the darling of the pizza movement these days. If you have a high gluten flour, you know, like really strong, you know, 14%, 15%, which is not uncommon for people trying to do Neapolitan pizza because it gives them that volume they're looking for. But for that amount of gluten to rise and bake and set completely, it needs a slower bake time. You know, many of us have been to Neapolitan pizza restaurants and all things are looking good and, you know, the pizza comes out and it's tall and bubbly, you know, and you tear into that crust and it's unbaked and heavy and kicked together. That level of gluten and that type of gluten has not had enough time to rise and set in the oven. So early Neapolitan pizzas were not made from, you know, high gluten industrial level flours. They're made from much lower protein, um, softer wheats. And it's the lower protein wheats that really pop the most readily in a high heat oven, but also can set into a crust in that time. Where this feels like a tactile approach to pizza making, Bauer also cares about the optics, the visual representation of flavor. So Neapolitan pizzas often have two colors. You have a white backdrop and a black char. 
And obviously the white backdrop is the white flour, you know, that created the dough and the black is the char from the oven. So there's an idea in baking that's always been really central to me is that color equals flavor. And if you have two colors on your pizza crust, you really have two flavors working. If you can mill flour intentionally, manage your fermentation, adjust your baking time, you can achieve three, maybe four different kind of color tones around your pizza crust. Those are reflective of different flavor components coming out. Bauer's vision of the pizza world changes with the seasons, literally. He changes his grain blends throughout the year to best pair with the particular ingredients of that time. You know, I've I've used the idea of seasonal milling, and that can be misleading, you know? It's not like, you know, if you're seasonally cooking, you have, you know, tomatoes coming in right now, you've got squashes coming in later. Obviously, the flour is a stable grain-based component. But as your toppings change throughout the year, if you are, say, a seasonally-based restaurant, if your toppings are changing throughout the year, you know, the type of flavor backdrop that's really going to, like, support that is going to change too. So, you know, I've always been a big proponent of adjusting the flour type and the grain blend like four times a year based on the season, based on the type of ingredients that are going to be on it, you know? So like in summer when it's just full of like light vegetables and herbs and, you know, olive oil, I'm going to create a much lighter pizza dough that's got, you know, a subtle kind of more delicate backdrop to it because that's going to support those ingredients. Come winter when it's like hearty ingredients, you know, and you've got your, your cured meats and your red sauces, I'm going to design a flavor in the flour and in the pizza crust that's going to have a lot more depth and robustness to it. It's, it's sort of like how you would pair wine to food throughout the year. You know, you're creating this backdrop for a meal, but the ingredients are changing all year long. Seasonal and regional. Pizzeria Vittoria is located in Savannah's Starland District, but in no way is Kyle Giacobino a southerner. An Italian-American originally from Waterbury, Connecticut, he's always preferred New York-style slices over New Haven's offerings. The felicity of his culinary career found him cooking in Atlanta for years, which grows much more than Georgia peaches, by the way. Dreaming of opening up a Neapolitan-inspired restaurant taught him that he didn't have to travel too far for the pizza flour he was looking for. He just asked a baker, Tom Leonard of Independent Baking Co. in Athens, Georgia. Giacovino makes the leap from bread dough to pizza crust. As a chef, you grow up and you, you know you support your local farmers. And then he taught me, he's like, it's the same thing in the baker world, right? They're just dealing with millers and they're dealing with wheat farmers. When I was in the Southeast, you know, you heard of Glenn Roberts, you heard of Anson Mills, you heard of like, you know, Ferro de Piccolo and uh, Charles and Gold Rice. And Chris was like, well, you know, chef, you can make some pretty good, uh, pretty good bread and pizza with that. I was like, nah, you can't do that, man. The, Italian, the Italians do white flour, double up flour. That's how it's got to be. So when I opened up Vittoria, I was basically like, okay, how can we support as many millers as we can? How can we stay excited about making pizza? And that was just by changing the grain as much as we can. You know, we've used everything at this point, I think nine or 10 different grains. And they all react a little bit differently. And you just kind of pick your favorite ones of, of which ones you like the most and which ones give you the best volume and taste. And, you know, we landed on uh, turkey wheat, uh, which is basically it's a heritage grain. I mean, this grain was going extinct. I mean, it was brought over back in the 1700s and a lot of this grown in Kansas. And the cool thing about it was Tom Leonard, who I talked about earlier uh, from Athens, Georgia, 
he was kind of like one of the big guys out in Kansas and helped Heartland Mills revitalize his turkey wheat. And this wheat is just so robust, so rich, so umami in flavor. And it's such a cool thing. And it's also great, like, you know, because it was going extinct. So it was our job to kind of help bring this back. And yeah, so we use basically the the bolted flour. And if you want, we can just talk about how how we developed that using bolted against whole wheat, if you want. Yeah, please do. And define bolted for us. Yeah, so when you get down to making pizza, right, we still got to have these building blocks of, of how we have our dough structure. And like, don't get me wrong, double up flour is, it's great, but it's almost, it's like, it's more of a building block for us. So the good thing about double up flour, it's very neutral, has good strength. Um, but the bad thing about it is most of the nutrients are all stripped out of double up. So when someone's using just straight double up flour, you're not really getting any benefits of nutrition or actually flavor. You're just mostly tasting the toppings on pizza. So the goal is how do you introduce enough whole wheat or bolted wheat into your recipe where you can maintain volume structure and, you know, just the good properties of a Neapolitan pizza. But how do we introduce that nutrition and that flavor back into that dough? So that's where we get into the whole bolted, right? So you have whole wheat, 100% whole wheat. That's just basically milled 100% the whole grain, everything. And then bolted, there's different extraction levels where they'll sift out a portion of the grain. So basically bolted or high extraction is just the coarsest parts of that brand that's removed. So almost like the heaviest coarse part of the brand that's kind of like sifted out. And then you're left still with the endosperm, the germ, and then parts of the finer brand. So basically we're retaining all that nutrition and we're putting that back into our pizza dough. So, and that's kind of like the give and pull here is because if you use a hundred percent whole wheat in your pizza dough without any double O's, hundred percent whole wheat, the dough is going to get really, really heavy, and it's going to get really dense. It's flavorful. It's nutritious, but it's going to be super dense. And it's not really going to perform how we would want it in an oven or in service or even like, like from a gut-friendly perspective. It's going to be a little bit heavy. So our goal is how do we basically add enough water and the perfect amount of bolted wheat to get best of both worlds. But once you have your grain build, how does one develop their dough? We have our our pre-ferment or lavender or starter, whatever you want to call it. And then from there, we basically mix flour and water, and then we go into an auto-lease period. It's basically just a 20-minute rest where the flour and water is mixed. And basically what you do is you just let that sit, and all those gluten networks start to bond. Basically, it's gaining strength without mixing, so you don't have to mix as much and kind of break down that dough structure. So the auto-lease is basically doing a lot of that work for you, and it kind of improves extensibility. From there, we then just begin to mix the dough. We added a levain. We mix that in. And then the bassinage is basically um, just means to drench in French. Basically, it's adding the second portion of your water in a recipe to your dough after the flour and water is initially mixed. And it's kind of like think about ciabatta. It's basically almost like a ciabatta method where you just add a bunch of water towards the end. And what that does is that it kind of gives you those big, nice crumb holes in your, in your crust. Yeah, then from there, we just go into um, the bulk fermentation. So we let it basically sit on the table for about two to three hours and kind of gives give it a series of folds. And that gives our dough a lot more structure and strength because it is a pretty high hydration dough. And now we're sitting around 71 and 72%. So all these kind of techniques help build that structure and makes it easier to shape in the end. And then from there, 24-hour cool ferment and, you know, a little two-hour proof before service and we're good to go. <laughs> and we're good to go. Basically, Giacovino's dough process utilizes pre-ferments even before mixing the flour, then adds water, another pre-ferment, and mixes again. It's this crust that is a catalyst for change. The cool part about pizza is like 
you know, and obviously I'm in this as a business and a, and a, and a living too, right? Cause I have to make a living off this stuff. And it's like the hardest part about being a chef throughout the years was being affordable for everybody, you know, cause you get all these beautiful produce and you get all these cuts of meat and like, but at the end of the day, right. You put it on the plate, you got to charge, you know, anywhere from 35 to 50 bucks for a plate. And it's just not accessible to everybody. And now it's like pizza is one of those things where it's a lot of work and it's a lot of labor, but like you can buy the most expensive, most beautiful grains and ingredients in America. And still you can charge 12 to 14 bucks for it. And everybody can afford that. So that's the beautiful thing. So I just really feel like we just got to get outside of this cheap wheat, cheap ingredients and pizza and get back to like putting the best possible thing on a slice of pizza so we can all eat it and enjoy it and be healthy and, you know, and enjoy this stuff, man. From husk to health, there's a kaleidoscopic cornucopia of flour found throughout the world. The adherence to only using double zero is changing. And there's room for a new wave of amber grains. Whether we're measuring a flower's worth by a particulate size or a doe's merit by how it rises, flower is structure, but flower is also flavor. A thank you to our sponsors, King Arthur, Uni, and Bonza, our guests Mauro Caputo, Fred Mortati, Martin Phillip, Nikki Giusto, David Bauer, and Kyle Giacovino. Music by Carol Cleveland Sings. Jack Inslee, our engineer. Our logo and episode art by Jenny Acosta. And of course, Modernist Cuisine. In our next episode, episode four, the extensible edition of Flour Dough Crust. We show our cards in Las Vegas, push the limits of whole wheat percentages, put our dough on display, pray to the patron saint of fire, go through an alt crust phase, and participate in pizza acrobatics. Bonza, best known as the gluten-free chickpea-powered pasta company, is proud to announce their recently launched frozen chickpea crust made entirely out of chickpeas. The crust is crispy on the outside, yet soft and doughy on the inside, just like the texture you'd expect from a traditional pie. It's also sturdy enough once sliced to hold up to its toppings. Plus, it tastes delicious. In addition to just the plain crust, Bonza also offers flavors like four cheese, margarita, roasted veggie, and supreme, topped off with red onions, fire-roasted peppers, and rich crumbles of Beyond Meat plant-based sausage. And there's even an option with plant-based cheese for a completely vegan pizza experience. I keep a stash of the plain bonza crust in my freezer for impromptu pizza nights. There are wholesome chickpea canvas for whatever vegetables I find at the farmer's market that week to my favorite pesto from the Italian grocer down the street and the creamy ricotta we usually have in our fridge. Bonza champions the fact that chickpeas are one of the most nutritious foods out there. Its chickpea pizza crust has more protein and fiber than the leading cauliflower crust, which makes eating pizza every night of the week a healthy possibility. Alongside your bonza pasta, mac and cheese, and rice, of course, all made out of chickpeas. Head to eatbonza.com and use code MPP10 for 10% off your first order. We hope you give it a try and love it as much as we do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 